Why isn't my mic plugged in? Thanks, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty classic trick. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, I kind of want to start with a review. Can we start with a review? Yeah, absolutely. Matt? So I just want to say, before we start with a review, I just want to say that every little piece of feedback that we get, we feel like we have to read it because we're that insecure. I was about to say that. <laughs> it's it's become, we had no intention of sort of giving everyone who ever wrote us anything <laughs> about whatever a shout out on the podcast, but that's what it's become. So. We are so desperate for any bit of feedback. Let's, let's, stay with, let's stay with our tradition, I guess. Okay, so this one came, it was uh, on Apple Podcast from uh, Stevie Swim. Thank okay. you. Whoever you are. I'm assuming their first name is Stevie and uh, Swim is just something else, but let's call them Stevie Swim. They say, first off, I love this podcast. Sam, Aaron, and Matt are such great hosts. I feel like I am right there in the conversation with them. Makes me wish I lived in Northern California and could attend Granite Springs. Mm. This is really touching. Yeah. <laughs> All of the segments are great. Surprising. Uh, bringing a real person to the podcast as well. Such great guests that bring such a wealth of knowledge and perspective to the Word of God. Thank you to our guests. Really great. The only downside. Uh oh, here we go. Oh, no. Here we go. We knew this was coming. <laughs> you <can> tell <laughs> Build them gonna, up the and then break them down. Drop. Here we go. The only downside are the gaps between episode releases. Five stars. Hey, oh, five, stars. five stars. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter what what kind of negativity is in there. Five stars is yeah. five stars. That's just feeding the algorithm like we like. Yeah. You know, <laughs> having said that, he's right. I yeah. mean, there are two. The gaps are too big. Yeah, we kind yeah, of yeah. just own that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Stevie Swim. But part of that is, you know, the idea is to keep people wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fact that we're actually disorganized a little bit. No, no, no. It's just keep the people wanting more episodes. Yeah, like the, have them. You want that simmering burn of frustration. Yeah, every like, you know, as they're waiting for a new episode. Does Justin Timberlake drop a new album every month? I don't no. think so. No, no I don't think that's, so. That's, so. We're doing pretty good now. No, that's yeah, good insight. <laughs> well, we have, a, we have a guest. Let's Before we get too far ahead, we have a special guest who's never been on the podcast before. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I've been on a podcast. Oh, you really? Podcast. Excuse me. <laughs> Can't even say podcast. Correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am from your planet. <laughs> uh, our guest today, a very special guest, is Father Chris Flosaurus from St. Anna. Greek Orthodox Church in Roseville, Correct. California. Which I'm is doing probably okay so about far. 20 minutes from Granite Springs. Correct. Yes. So we're in the same kind of neighborhood-ish. So Stevie Swim could still probably not visit Father Chris. Although if Stevie Swim is actually Pastor Kevin in the office next door, we get together on a regular basis. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> Maybe it's his, his, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Father Chris is here. We invited him. He didn't just barge in, <laughs> no. demand to be heard. <laughs> we did invite him. He said yes, so we're really happy about that. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be having a conversation in a little bit about Lent. Yeah. Today is, we're on this recording day, the first day of Lent. The right? second, second day of Lent. Day of Lent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Second in the Western Lent. Church. Yes. Oh, oh, Father Chris is we'll dropping, it. Just we'll dropping a little it. nugget just there. Just saying. <laughs> Well, we'll talk some more about that <laughs> in just a little bit. But Matt, do we have any more listener feedback? We're just, oh. I think we're hungry for compliments. I think Stevie Swim is it for this one. Okay. Thanks, well, Stevie. if you're out there, Beagle Pig, we'd love to hear from you again. Uh, who was our other person? 
uh, Love Love Bird. Oh, Love Love How Bird. Forget? We'd love to hear from Super you again. Fans. Wiley Wabagon, who wrote us a handwritten letter. Yes. No, 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 it wasn't handwritten. It was typed. Oh, yeah, it was like cut out magazine, right? But it was. No. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a murder, like a murder kidnap like letter. A ransom note. <laughs> yeah, right. I think We'd... I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we love, and uh, we always want five stars. And if you're thinking about giving us less than five, then just don't. Oh, yeah, just refrain until maybe we feel, you feel like we've hit the five-star mark. Just wait until Yeah, just then. wait. Just hold it. Yeah. And then when you think, okay, yeah. they did it, then go ahead and submit that review. I should have been rolling. That was gold. Well, Sorry, listeners. You just missed an amazing <laughs> off-mic conversation. Yeah, our listeners should maybe know that we do take pauses it's kind of like the stuff that happens like on the Tonight Show. You know, there's actual recording moments, yeah. and then there's stuff that happens like when the cameras aren't on. Right, that actually happens here too. And the host leans over and says, "Hey, how's it going so far?" Stuff yeah. like that. Father yeah. Chris doesn't know this, but it actually takes us 36 straight hours of recording with pauses <laughs> to put together <laughs> to 45 minutes. Yeah, to what? get about 45 minutes. <laughs> Did you know, know what you're yeah. signing up for? <laughs> okay, should we do our "I Like It" segment? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do, do "I Like It." We haven't done it in a while. Who wants to start? Aaron. Okay. Yeah. We're going alphabetically? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's, let's do that. Do um, my I like it is a very simple thing. I think everybody can do this. You can do this right now from your home. You go to Amazon.com. You type in the search bar, self-adhesive googly eyes. Something will come up where it's like 500 for $5 or something. Have that thing delivered to your door and make your life so much greater. What do you, what do, you do with the googly you eyes? You stick googly eyes to everything and anything that you see that vaguely remember, resembles a face. A face. Yeah. yeah. So, light switches. Uh, well, I've been following your Instagram a little bit, or Jelaine's, your, you know. My wife's Instagram. Your wife's Instagram. Yeah. And you, you've been doing this. You've been putting googly eyes on the toilet, which is... <laughs> A little freaky. Yeah, that's a okay, I'm just gonna throw that out there. That's I a think little my, freaky. I think my son did that one, but I was very, very <clears throat> proud of it. They've been on like the coffee maker, the yep. vacuum cleaner, the yep. TV. Yes, the, you know, I mean everything. It's great. Essentially, the it's, door. It, it's like it's a little ray of sunshine everywhere you look in your house. But the thing is, like, you know, who's do, so who's doing this exactly? Well, so ostensibly, I was doing it. Without him, without the kids knowing, oh, so they you were just were doing it because I thought yeah. they were doing. Oh no! So, I they, was, so your kids just thought suddenly our house is becoming sentient. Yes, like things are uh, things are eyes. coming to life. Like things are coming to life. They were uh, look, you know, tearing things apart, looking for the next uh, next place where googly eyes had appeared. That's uh, so. I'm kind of a newbie at this, but do you want? Did you go with color eyes, or did you go with the regular? Oh black yeah, and white this eyes? is great. Yeah, Wait. I went with the um, I went with the black and white. Might want to get on mic. I went with the black and white, and uh, <laughs> Father Chris has his phone pulled up right now. I don't so get out a lot to Amazon. Make sure they're self adhesive. You know, you just peel the little backing yeah. off, and this comes in like uh, I think there were three different sizes, even. So you they can great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm happy and I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it just for that. So that is that's all I have to say. That's my I like it. That's it will bring thing. whimsy and delight to all areas of your life where you were not expecting them to. Now be. I might say that you know this works especially well if you have young kids. Probably I can't. I don't know if I can see two adults. 
putting googly eyes on stuff. Oh. I'm not saying it's not possible, but the whimsy, the fun. I think kids kids love this stuff, right? And then that makes it fun for the adults. Yeah, that's true. Right. But also, you can just still have whimsy and fun in your life as an adult. Okay, but I would okay, encourage you. Valentine's Day yesterday, and do couples not have googly eyes for one another? Oh, oh. <laughs> an allegorical Think reading about of this. The Think about putting googly eyes. googly eyes on your eyelids. See, see, see how fun see, that could think be. Think about that. Yeah, that would be incredibly. You had painful. a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: I see googly eyes happening with like small kids. Yeah, that's fun. That works. And then there's something about like probably over the age of 12, 13, it doesn't work anymore. Maybe, but then actually it starts working again when you're probably like eighty five plus. <laughs> so am I don't you think my like Amazon that's kind of or not? Like if oh, you think about two ninety year olds, a married couple, two ninety year olds living in a house putting googly eyes on things. That kind of works. Uh, well, I you can have see that. Father Chris, you have two kids. I do. And ha- they're how old? Nine and 11. So I think that's prime. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And especially with an 11 year old, you're right. They might be getting a little old, but then you start teasing them by just putting them places they don't expect. And they will smile whether you're there or not. Or it'll drive them into therapy. <laughs> yeah. So but this is good. <laughs> wondering all of a sudden how these eyes are appearing. Yeah. But the funny home, thing so. is, you can like, so if you, if you, if you kind of, you know, create this thing of googly eyes then you can bring it back at any moment in your in your life so as an adult like they get their first car and there's googly eyes on the car or they get married and there's googly eyes on the on the wedding invitation (laughs) do do you see how great this is you're starting to see it's beautiful (laughs) that's why i like it some sentences you need to finish yeah some sentences are good to finish thanks for thanks for seeing that one through Okay, Matt, what do you got? All right. Uh, we often talk about tongue twisters on the show. We didn't get any fresh ones this week. But part of the joy of tongue twisters is to marvel at language. I've got another marvel of the English language that I like. Oh, good. This is a, a sentence that can be grammatically correct, okay, from, from start of the sentence to a period at the end. Here's the sentence. James, while John... Had, 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 had a better effect on the teacher. That, in English, can be a correct sentence. Now, let, let me explain. I don't really get it. Let me explain the scenario, and we'll start to, we'll start to parse it out with some punctuation, okay? Mm. The scenario is that James and John are two students in a classroom who are told to write a sentence. James writes... The person had had a cold. John writes, the person had a cold. So now the sentence is, James, while John had had, in quotation marks, had, comma, because now we're back to what James had, James had had, in quotation marks, had had, in his (laughs) sentence, semicolon, quotation marks again, had had, had had a better effect on the teacher. The teacher preferred James's sentence with had had over the one with had. I'm just curious what point of this podcast you guys want me to talk about your use of free time. That's kind of really, that's weird and cool. At the same Isn't time. That, well, I like it. I, I have to So give, that's actually a correct, grammatically correct yeah, if you punctuate it correctly. Relying heavily James, on punctuation. James while John had had, 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 had a better effect on the teacher can be a grammatically correct sentence. 
That's um, uh, I have to give a hat tip to Matt Thompson of the Atlantic Radio Hour. He's the executive editor at the Atlantic. He's the one and who a big mentioned fan. this. Uh, right, a big fan of ours. I don't, I don't think this is tough. But he mentioned this, and I had to look it up because I couldn't believe it. But it's true. That and is so true. I like it. I That's like awesome. It too. That's great. Well, my I like it. Every once in a while, I, went, I mention um, a podcast. And my last podcast I mentioned was this. Um, it's, a, it, it's a terrible podcast. But it's um, but I loved it, which makes me feel like kind of like maybe I'm not quite normal. But are, are you talking I, but about I podcasts you listen to? Yes. Oh, so okay. this. So let me. So I, I recommended this podcast called um, uh, oh, what was it called? <laughs> was it was it all the, about the Boston the Stranglers. Uh, it, it was right, oh, Stranglers. Strangler. It was called Stranglers, and it was all about the Boston Strangler. You know, a series of like 12 or 13 murders that happened in Boston in like the late 60s or something like that. Anyways, it's, I mean, it's all about, you know. It's these kinds of recommendations that might result in us not getting that much feedback. <laughs> yeah. But okay. But, but I've had, or people, other guests. But I've had, <laughs> but keep going. This is great. I've had people who listen to this podcast say that they listened to Stranglers because I, you know, mentioned it. Yeah. And they loved it. Oh. Which is always a weird thing to say about. You know, a, a murder story. Yeah, like you love yeah. the murdered story. Anyways, yeah. so anyways, so here's another one. This is a podcast. It's called Dirty John. Okay, oh, no. listen to it. It's only like six episodes long. It is. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Whoa. But it's Ringing good. Endorsement. It's bad, but Wait, it's good. You have to give us a and, little bit. No, no. Okay, okay. No, I can't. Yes, you no, have to. No, I can't. Dirty John, look it up. Podcast, listen to it. It's only six episodes long. Like restroom? It's, it's, <laughs> it's called Dirty John. It's not about restrooms. That's the first thing I picture when you say Dirty yeah, John. Yeah, it's yeah. like a bathroom that need, is in <laughs> need Google of attention. Ads on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so this is not about bathrooms. It's about, a guy, it's about a guy named John. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say. Is it a true story? Yes, it's a true story. Okay. Okay, listen to it. It's awful, but it's like good, but it's like bad. But it's. I think I'm gonna let a listener good. try it first, and then see yeah. if, see what they say. Okay, trust me, it's like one of the top like, you know, they they rate podcasts and yeah. say, okay, this is like a high, yeah. a high featured podcast. So lots of people listen to it. Dirty John, listen to it. Okay, it's so good. <laughs> We're gonna have a conversation with Father Chris. Obviously, yes. Recording on the second day. Yes, recording on Lent. of the Western of Lent. Oh, Thank of the you. Western, Lent the Western. And I don't know exactly how to have this conversation. I, I thought you we make would it sound more like an intervention. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's something you guys want to talk to me about. <laughs> but you know, we think there's too much Lent in the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Yes. But you know, there's some churches. Let me just give a like maybe a little background. There's some churches that are familiar with the practice of Lent. There's some churches that are familiar with the liturgical calendar, the church calendar. So these different seasons of the church year. Most Christians, most churches are probably familiar with certain seasons like Advent. Mm-hmm. And Christmas and Easter, but they're pretty much unaware that like Christmas is twelve days, the twelve days of Christmas, or that there might which be begins a, after Christmas, which begins, right, which begins after Christmas, right. Christmas to the feast of Epiphany historically. Yes, yes, and there's, there's, there's certain feast days, and there's other seasons like Epiphany and Lent 
and stuff like that. So anyway, so that's just a little bit of background of what we're talking. So if you have no clue what that is or what we're talking about, go online, type it in, liturgical year, and that will give you a little bit of background, I think, that might help you um, kind of jump into this conversation. But also, I think this conversation will, hopefully we can help steer people too into kind of what Lent is and even maybe a, a why or a how to do Lent. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, like we've covered some basics already. It usually lasts about 40 days, right? Ends with... Well, it ends on Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday. The It doesn't? In the West. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love okay. This. Let's just address that right away. Okay. <laughs> Father Chris, talk to us. So you're talking about this East-West thing. Okay. First Ecumenical Council. We're going we're gonna to go back a bit. Okay. Tell us what year we're talking about here. Um, first Ecumenical Council was 325. Okay. 325. So an Ecumenical... Ecumenical Council being a bunch of sort of leaders of churches mm-hmm. from Coming around together for the first the world, time, come together under, for the first time, uh, permitted by Constantine for the first time, and one of the issues they did, one of the issues they needed was or to resolve was the dating of Easter, um, because you had Christians that were celebrating Easter at different times, and it wasn't really a unifying factor to have Easter at various times. So the calculation for Easter was Easter would be on the f- Sunday, f- the first Sunday following the first full moon of the spring equinox, because Christians were just following a Jewish calendar. Right. We have a, and that period was really set aside as a means of preparing, I should say you have Easter, and then as time goes on, it grows into a week as a means of preparation for baptism, and then it grew into a Lenten season that would be a preparation for baptism. Difference between East and West is when Pope Gregory comes along, our calendar shifts. So Western, that's and why so this So now year, what year we're talking about? Pope Gregory, what, is sixth century, mm-hmm. I think? Okay. So then he's shifting the calendar. Well, yeah, to make it more accurate, I guess, uh, by their standards at the time, but the Eastern Church still celebrates or uses the the Julian calendar to calculate the date of Easter for us. So that's why some years like this year, we celebrate on April 8th as opposed to the week before, which means we get our candy cheaper than all of you. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the byproducts of thank you, Pope Gregory. So no, even in the calculation... So this year, you're celebrating Easter on April 8th. Yes, correct. A week where, after. where most Protestant churches, Western churches, mm-hmm. are celebrating on April one. Correct. So a whole week earlier. Well, this is, which is this is pretty close. There are some years we'll be on the same yeah, day. Right. Others times we can be a good month apart. Really? Calculation. Well, because you'll know too, uh, Passover hasn't been celebrated um, in some. Uh, I should say the Jewish Passover has not been celebrated. Some years where the Western Church will celebrate Easter. Mm-hmm. Passover comes after Easter. So historically, it's a little bit out of sync. Okay. So the idea with the original council was to unify Easter. Correct. But it didn't quite work. Because here we are. <laughs> it's not, because here we are it, in the same room. It, it did. Oh. It did I, for some time. And then what happened? Then the calendar changed. Well, the, Yeah, the calendar shifted a little bit at that point. But Is it Martin Luther's fault? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> so... No, and then when you actually look at your dating of, of the amount of days that go into Holy Week, or I should say into, into Lent, for the Eastern Church, it's going to be 40 days that lead up to what's referred to as the Saturday of Lazarus, which is the Saturday before Palm Sunday, and then Holy Week itself stands as another week oh, of okay. fasting. Oh. So it's 49 days for us. I like, this, I like this idea uh, back in three, the year 325 or whatever that they're, everyone's celebrating Easter at a different time. 
you know, there's a time when we just didn't, when people just weren't on the same calendar and they were just kind of, uh, they were just doing their own thing. Yeah, when people were celebrating Easter at different times before the first council, like how far apart were these Easter celebrations? Are we talking like six months? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. No, it just some were following a Jewish calendar, others were not following a Jewish calendar. Every Sunday ultimately is a celebration of the resurrection anyway. So it's, okay, we need to be unified folks because if, if I'm a Christian in Jerusalem and I'm going to be traveling over to the Antioch, we should be celebrating the, the feast together as a unifying element. And that did remain, for the most part, intact for some time. So let me just reiterate again. If you're unfamiliar with Lent, we just jumped into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> because if you don't even know what's going on with Western Lent, here we are talking about kind of the Eastern Church and saying they kind of have their own practices around Lent. So that's kind of where we are, Yeah, just yeah. to help clarify. So maybe we can zoom out and I can ask the question, uh, let's imagine that we have a listener who didn't go and do a bunch of research uh, about Lent and wasn't, you know, as responsible as we know all of you are. Uh, and they just had the question, okay, give me a, give me a sentence or two summary. What, what is Lent? What, what's it about? Say I, maybe I have some kind of vision of what, uh, that there's sort of seasons of a church of the church or something like that. But what is, what is Lent as a particular season? What does that mean? I think I think maybe the one or two sentence idea behind Lent is Lent was meant as a period of preparation. Chris, you can Correct. agree or disagree. But it's this idea that as we head towards kind of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, these these kind of three days together, they're of such central importance, gospel speaking, that that what happens on those three days is so key, so central, so deep, so mysterious that we shouldn't enter into those just kind of like skipping along, kind of unaware that we should actually, we should do some self-examination. We should prepare ourselves. We should prepare our hearts. And so Lent is really meant as a period of preparation, which includes... It's a season of penitence, ultimately. It's a season of repentance, Yeah, mm -hmm. is how it's been understood. I mean, historically, you're right. It was a period that would lead folks up to baptism that were being prepared. But for the rest of the church, it was meant as a period of just penitence, of, of um, like you said, reflecting upon the mystery of the entire passion, um, starting really with the raising of Lazarus, early church side, and then working all the way to the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And some and some parallels to, to, uh, to Christ's days in the desert, right, to his... 40-day journey? Is that... Geez. No, no, no. It's When we go back and say, yeah, 40 becomes kind of this number that comes up frequently in Scripture. Yeah. It relates. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so as the way to repent or to prepare, the church has for a long time said there's certain disciplines that Correct. seem to really help us get to that place of repentance. Mm -hmm. So can you name a couple? And, and these, are, these are probably practices that, that your church practices, like you encourage yes. these. Sure. So we'd come back to uh, the Lord when he says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms. It's not an if, it's a when. Hmm. So when we start, uh, in our case, Lent on Sunday evening with the setting of the sun, at that point, the fasting really looks like no meat, no dairy, no wine, no olive oil for the 40 days, plus Holy Week. If we're going to break our fast, it's going to be on Saturday and Sunday as a means of taming the stomach. Right? and showing that I'm not simply dependent on food, I'm dependent on the Lord, and my life is meant to revolve in that sense around uh, Christ by abstaining from these various foods. Oil has that great kind of priestly um, uh, quality from the Old Testament, right. but it's also being used in baptism. So if that's the case, 
We're not going to be using olive oil right now. We can use it in our vigil lamps. We can. Um, we don't need the flavoring in the food. Instead, we're just setting it aside for the use in the church. Wine gladdens the heart, but not so much during Lent because it's a humbled time. Um, and then prayer. My goodness, need. well, before we go to prayer, let's just yeah. talk about fasting a little bit. So sure. there might be someone who says, "Okay, I don't get it. Like, okay, so why should I refrain from certain foods?" And how does that connect me to repentance or preparation? Like, what is it about fasting well, that somehow works in us in a certain way and, and works on our hearts? Well, one, Jews fasted. And if we believe that Jesus and the church is established as a continuation of, of that ongoing covenant relationship with God, well, then early Christians, just it was just taken for granted. We fast. It's logical we fast. There'd be no question for an early Christian whether they fasted or not. And the idea of what do we fast from, it was just pretty clearly kind of defined, if you will, within, we'd find allusions within Scripture from Old Testament and New Testament and the, and the, the blessing uh, of the fast. But also in the early church, it was just a taken for granted. No wine, because it's joyful. There are times for wine. No olive oil, uh, because it's a flavoring of food and it's used sacramentally. Um, no meat, because the only sacrificial meat we're going to have is the Lord in the mystical supper, so nothing with red blood. Nothing that comes from an animal because... So yeah, no dairy. No dairy. No cheese. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Again, just me and the idea is if, if I can't tame my stomach, how am I going to tame any of their passion? Mm. Like the most, right, the most, the most guttural, literally guttural, right. sort of instinctive, keep me alive kind of thing you need to be doing. And in the Western culture, how much do we really need to be sustained? Yeah. Right. I mean, it, being Greek, you know, we spend a lot of time with food. It's just a part of our culture. We spend a lot of time around the table, and when we're eating a meal, we're talking about the next meal because we love food. But how much do we really need to sustain us? Yeah. This That's is actually cool related to one of my questions coming into this conversation, because I've noticed particularly maybe in sort of the Protestant uh, tradition that has begun to sort of maybe reattach to some of these church seasons, Lent and the Lenten fast is sort of pick something that you like and give it up. Um, chocolate, and coffee. So yeah, right. chocolate, right. coffee, watching TV. <laughs> yeah. I used to love uh, spinach and Brussels sprouts together, but I guess I'm not. just giving them up for lunch. Yeah. And uh, I think you know, I that that's in some sense a fast. But I'd be curious even to hear you, Father Chris, uh, reflect. Is that or is that sort of vision of a Lenten fast missing something sort of critical? And what would you say is that? That's individualistic. Piece? For mm. one, I'm mm. giving up what I like. Well. I, no, it's it's it's. I think that makes it a little bit too convenient. I think mm. it really comes down to what has the church instructed me? Uh, what did the what does scripture instruct me as far as what's good for me and what's not? And what are the rationale? And we could go back and we could look at each food item and see how, from an Old Testament perspective, a New Testament perspective, maybe these are things we stay away from during the Lenten season. Right. I just think it becomes far too individualistic to say, individualistic to say I like this, so I'm going to give this up. Mm. And what does giving it up look like? Well, I'm just going to use a milk substitute instead. That's really not in the spirit of the fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're That's also, the letter of the law, not the spirit. Right. You're also, when you say individualistic, um, I, get a, I get a sense that they're, you're not doing this as a community anymore either. Right? Right? If you're just choosing, you're kind of picking and choosing what works for you to give up for that for Lent. Uh, you're, you're missing that element of, uh, of we're doing this together. Well, and I, it, yesterday when the Western Church began Lent and the idea of an Ash Wednesday, what is, that goes back to the Old Testament, right, of just preparing ourselves in, in, in repentance and of saying, we've sinned, Lord, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. marking that ash as a sign of, of uh, lament. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful about that communal effort moving forward. So I would say the same way with the fast, although 
could probably spin it and say in fairness that even if folks are giving up something individually, if they're doing it as a communal body, you know, thanks be to God for it too. Mm. Right. So Father Chris, you had already started talking about a second discipline that's really kind of key during the Lenten season. How does prayer, like fasting, kind of prepare our hearts or help us to repent? So I guess ideally, you know, we all maintain our personal prayer lives. And it's morning prayer, evening prayer, however it's defined within our families and our sacred space at home. But the church also is going to increase her prayer life. So within, our, within the Eastern tradition, um, when we start Lent on Sunday evening, there's movement from light to dark, since we're shifting from celebrating the resurrection into a season of repentance. And then Monday evening, there's a service of Compline. Wednesday evening, Friday morning, pre-sanctified liturgy. Friday night, service of salutation. Saturday night, Vespers. Saturday, a soul. Saturday morning. And then again, the service of the resurrection on Sunday. So the, we, the, the calendar for us really starts... Um, it's a little bit more robust with services at the mm. church as a means of bringing people together for more communal prayer. Oh. And when you mentioned Holy Week before, you alluded to that, that, what was it, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. For us, we're starting on Sunday night, and then it's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, all night vigil, Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Services. Services. So that... <laughs> Okay, all you people who go to church once a month. <laughs> Step it up, folks. Just, just yeah. so you know. Yeah, so the idea really is that, that, that communal call to repentance. But if I'm asking, if, if the church is asking me to live a life of penitence, well, by all means, the church needs to be providing some other opportunity for me to gather in prayer to strengthen me during the season. Because mm. one, I'm also beaten down a little bit by not having all the food I'm used to. Mm. So one of the blessings then is bringing people together for more fellowship and more prayer. Mm. So this is all happening, all these services are happening, the intensification of these services is happening during Holy Week. Sure, and during Lent throughout. And during Lent throughout. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so your community, the people... Have like, an opportunity to gather on a regular And this basis. is pretty, this feels normal to them. So like, they wouldn't complain about having to go to That was 20s. very gracious of you. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't complain about having to go to like 20 services or something. No, they just complain there aren't more. <laughs> Are you serious? I, no, I'm oh, not serious. No. I was like, holy. No, and it doesn't mean that every person with our community or with the Orthodox Church is going to attend every service. Okay. The blessing though is knowing that there's the opportunity to gather. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, it, and if they're not there, well, you know, we're still being prayed for and they're being prayed for. Yeah. I, right. think, I think this is a really... Uh, I, th I think one of the valuable things about Lent is it allows us to celebrate Easter better. Like, it I, I think we, uh, I'm maybe speaking again for our my own tradition, but I don't think we do joy very well. I think we think right. we do joy well, but I don't think we really do. And when you're talking about being kind of beaten down by being just kind of hungers like knocking on the door all the time, and you've got all this, you've got all this praying and all this penitence that you're doing. Uh, there's 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 something more like that that brings the res makes the resurrection like that much more spectacular. Well, can you have joy if you haven't suffered? Right. You know, yeah. I, I don't think we really understand it correctly. So you're right. And then the question would be, which I assume would be another podcast at some point, but what does joy look like? And what does the Easter season even look like? Mm. How do we communicate that ongoing joy in the resurrection? Uh, one of the, um, this I think kind of relates to another question I had as, I think about uh, maybe one way to say it is how how much do we let Easter sort of leak into Lent? Um, so I think here at Granite Springs, you'll hear us talk a lot. If you were here on a Sunday morning, we talk a lot about grace and uh, we want to kind of capitalize on that. I think there's great reason for that. 
Um, sometimes then I think uh, that raises a question sort of as you're talking about a season of penitence, not, not just a prayer of confession, <laughs> but a season of repentance. How much do you sort of let, let what's coming bleed into uh, your practice? Does that, does that make sense as a question? I'd be curious to hear what you guys kind of think about that. Um, I, and I, if I could, I think I just had like one specific example of that um, was in worship. There's some traditions that don't use a, don't use a Gloria or or uh, or an Alleluia at all during Lent. Um, we our tradition doesn't go quite that far, but there is, I think, a, a sense of uh, solemnity maybe during Lent that can that we can carry through our worship services that might not be there in other parts of the year. But I was curious maybe about what happens at your parish. Well, again, every Sunday for us is going to be really commemorating the resurrection. Mm, right. and, and Saturday has a, a unique quality because it anticipates the resurrection. But throughout the week, no, there isn't. That's really not our focus. So much so that when we celebrate, I think like your community too, on a regular basis, communion or the Eucharist, that we celebrate with a pre-sanctified Eucharist on Wednesday and Friday, because the idea is how do you even consecrate, how do you celebrate the glory of, of even that event on a weekday? It's illogical. Um, so yeah. we'll have a pre-sanctified liturgy that's consecrated on Sunday, or the Eucharist is consecrated on Sunday, to share with the faithful on Wednesday and Friday. Oh, interesting. So it still has that kind of solemn feel about the service. It's beautiful, just an entirely different sensibility than a Sunday worship. And it's worth just pausing, too, for those who are a little bit less familiar with Lent, and you can speak to it, the Eastern tradition, but in the Western tradition, Sundays are uh, resurrection days, so they're not fast days in that sense. So they are sort of breaks. So if you sort of mm -hmm. got your calendar out and started counting days, in the Western tradition, we talk about 40 days of a Lenten fast. But in fact, there's more days than that, because Sundays are not considered part of our fast. They're days in which sort of the resurrection takes over, prefiguring in some sense what's coming. So just kind of additional context mm -hmm. as people are thinking, what, how does Sunday fit in? Yeah. Sam, what do you think? How much, how, much, how much Easter do you let leak in? I think it's really helpful, actually, to think about the fact that in some, some sense, we're not saying to people, uh, you have 40 days uh, of moaning, because there's these resurrection kind of breaks, almost resurrection intervals. Um, but in some sense, maybe those sort of intervals help us then lean more heavily into mm -hmm. the prayers of confession. I think for as much as you can, I mean, you really embrace the season of Lent and let it be a season of repentance and a bit of darkness and a bit of, you know, taking a real humble look at our finiteness and... Um, but, you know, as Christians, we know the end of the story. We know that the resurrection is coming. We know that Good Friday is not the end. The early Christians didn't know that, but we do. We have a glimpse of, of how it all is going gonna, is gonna to end up. So in some sense, it's like we cannot help but go through the season of Lent knowing that Easter Sunday is coming. And you'd probably have some, though, that would say that because we already know the end of the story, there's no need for it. Right. But I think that's really short-sighted. Because early Christian, I, I just have to fall back in the early church and say, well, this is something that they embraced. What was the rationale? And we haven't changed that much from the earliest centuries. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe podcasts, right? I mean, <laughs> no, in fairness, yeah. our technologies have changed, but the human experience of, of trying to right ourselves, for lack of a better word, with God and just maintain the purity of that relationship and the need for repentance and the need for joy, the need for healing, those things haven't changed. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah. And this is what's so interesting about the church calendar, I think, is that it doesn't sort of say uh, each day you're having the f necessarily the full experience of what it is to be Christian, but that 
we have to spread that out in some sense that there are seasons where we deliberately engage uh, with darkness and with our sin, we turn towards that. And then there are seasons where we sort of deliberately engage uh, in the joy of Easter and we experience that. And then there are practices that go with these things. Mm-hmm. I think it's just um, sometimes we want to, and maybe particularly a Protestant tradition, we want to pull all that together into, like I was saying earlier, a single prayer. And the church calendar and a season like Lent help us just pull that out so that we're not moving past any one point of that too quickly. So we're not moving past repentance too quickly, but then eventually we're also not moving past joy and celebration too quickly, uh, which when you talk about 12 days of Christmas, uh, I think in the Protestant tradition, we struggle with that. We move past Christmas way too quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and for us, the, the Christmas, Christmas is actually preceded by a 40-day fast. Oh, really? But it's not a penitential fast, it's a joyful fast. But it's saying in anticipation of the Nativity of Christ, I'm going to prepare myself through fasting, through confession, and celebrate then the Feast of the Nativity, and actually for the next 12 days, I'm not going to fast until I come to the Feast of the Epiphany, and that's going to kind of kick me in again into my regular Wednesday, Friday. And from when you're mentioning about the, the, the need of finding the joy, and there's a book that for us in the Eastern Church called the Triodion, which is the three Sundays before Lent, all the way through... Um, Holy Saturday, then it kicks into another book for the next 50 days called the Pentecostadium that takes us all the way to the Feast of Pentecost. And that book is just filled with joy because it's a contemplation or celebration of the Lord's resurrection, and in the midst of that, the ascension, but that we can't really separate from the Feast of Pentecost, right? So it's this beautiful balance of kind of 40 days plus Holy Week plus a handful of weeks before where there's theme or movement toward the resurrection, once I hit the resurrection, I got to celebrate it until the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Ascension through Pentecost. Mm. I don't know how our <clears throat> listeners feel, but every time I hear uh, Father Chris speak, I want to be gr- Greek Orthodox. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Like, That's I mean, a he lot looks of cool. Church. He looks cool. He's wearing his collar. You know, he's he, he, he's, he's a cool guy. Oh, you had me hello. And then, <laughs> but then when you talk about like, I mean, it feels like the Greek Orthodox Church is somehow linked linked into this great Christian tradition that it you know goes back hundreds of years, thousands of years, which a lot of Protestant churches for some reason has chucked chucked a lot of that stuff, and they feel like they have to somehow reinvent the whole Christian experience all over again mm-hmm. and be super creative and have these like really innovative tactics and you know powerpoints and all this stuff and it's What's like that? <laughs> <laughs> sorry technology i'm sorry <laughs> you threw me for a second so anyways but anyways when i hear you talk i just it makes me think that um I'm, i don't know i just want to be i want to be greek it doesn't well the you know i i how can i put it the there's a blessing in the eastern church as far as there's nothing for me to create i get to show up and just pray services and lent isn't about me producing anything for my people at the church. It's a matter of me remaining repentant with them and leaning on the same resurrected Lord and embracing grace as best as I'm able. Within the Western church, you're right. I, my heart goes out, truly goes out for pastors that are attempting to kind of craft a season um, and some not maybe being aware of the history, and thank God you guys are, where they're not aware of the history and the beauty that's found therein, and they, they're forced to create, and how exhausting that has to be, not just planning an Easter vigil, if that's the case, but trying to create the season for kind of a Western experience that's unfamiliar with, which is why the I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent sneaks back in, because you know we're trying to reach our people and, and to teach them it's important about giving something up. How do we lean on Lord, the Lord more? 
if I if I could zoom out, uh, just kind of way out, actually, and just based on this conversation, uh, encourage listeners who uh, encourage them to find the the great depth and the great beauty of a Christian life that is that uh, that has cycles, that's cyclic, that's rhythmic, um, and I th- I think regardless of your tradition, right. we all have that in. We all have that in our in this. In, we all have that same Christian story that that is marked by um, that's marked by cycles and and changing and milestones and moving and looking forward and feasting and celebrating and uh, repenting. And I, I think that if we in, instead of just kind of treating all the days the same and then maybe there's Christmas and Easter, find find uh, find your story in this great in this great Christian uh, story and, and and its seasons. Well, not to would make faith somehow an anomaly to the rest of life. Yeah. Because the rest yeah. of our lives are are characterized by seasons and movements and markers and the such. So church ought to, I mean, again, I'd like to think in this whole plan of salvation, a relationship with God would kind of be the standard by which everything else revolves. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe our listeners caught a sense that <clears throat> Father Chris is just dropping some knowledge bombs on us. <laughs> it's like everything he says, you should be writing down. <laughs> no, but you said a couple of things I just thought we could really have probably an hour conversation about that. I mean, you even mentioned, we're not even talking about this today, but this 40-day fast that has a different flavor and a different feel to it right. that precedes Christmas. I mean, we're not even talking about that today, but I'd love to... And a Pentecostal one too, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... We could talk forever about that, but yeah. Father Chris, as we kind of you know kind of navigate out of this conversation a little bit, is there anything like you know practical th- practical? Because <laughs> this whole just conversation, said maybe you've missed the conversation. We just <laughs> <laughs> is there something you can reinvent, just real well, Western like when you fast, yeah. when you pray, <laughs> when you give alms? I'm going to quote our Lord with that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this, maybe I can spin this okay, question a okay. little bit. To, help me, help me, Matt. Yeah, help yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, so imagine a listener who is in a community. They're in a church community that does is not familiar with Lent, but they've they've listened to you talk about it. And they're like, yeah, Father Chris is like, what what kind of person is this? <laughs> this is Where does this person exist? Right. What, what are these churches? Uh, can we even call them churches? Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, to this person who's like, I'm kind of interested in, in engaging this season somehow. What would be um, what would be a suggestion for that kind of person? Maybe they're probably Protestant. Uh, I would say your podcast is probably the starting point, and I'm sure you'll be sustaining your faithful throughout the Lenten season. Oh, wow. We did not That's tell him to say that. <laughs> and I'd give you a five. <laughs> um, we did not plan that, folks. No, no it was unsolicited. Yeah, yes. It was. Um, you know, thank God. Technology today, mm. um, there are so many opportunities of learning online. Yeah. Um, yeah. From an eastern, again, eastern side of the house, there's a, a network of a podcasts called Ancient Faith Radio that have some really interesting, there'll be a lot of information on Lent. A prayer I'd say that folks could look up, uh, if they look up the prayer of St. Ephrem the Syrian, is a beautiful, it is kind of like the Lenten prayer of the Eastern Church. And it'd be something like just incorporating that prayer on a daily basis into uh, whatever discipline they might have. Um, probably reflecting a little bit more thoughtfully on the Passion Gospels as we get closer to Easter. Um, and, and maybe intentionally trying to increase the prayer life. And if, if folks are unfamiliar with fasting, talk to their pastors. If the pastors don't give them a lot of guidance on it, or it's not a part of their tradition, there's nothing wrong with trying to learn a little bit more historically about what fasting was and what fasting can be. 
The other blessing about fasting, we didn't get to the third part, but is almsgiving, right? If I'm not spending so much on food, I can actually do more for others. And what a blessing it is then for all of us to be a little bit more philanthropic during the Lenten season. So those are three basic things that folks can do without recreating the wheel. Yeah, that's great. Nice. And if, if listeners have questions, Father Chris, can they call you personally on your what? cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> Would you I, would really, you be willing to hand out your personal cell phone number? I got his number right here. I'm best from 11 p.m. till about six in the morning. So yes, please call me at your convenience. <laughs> One of my children will answer the phone. <laughs> please right. have the conversation with. You. Well, Father Chris, thanks. It was great having you, yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. It has been Thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. Good. Thank you. So, Matt, I see that you have your phone out. I have my phone out. Okay, so because apropos of this conversation, my father. David Timms, who maybe one day will appear here, we don't know, um, has written... <laughs> we don't know where he is. Where, we don't but know when or where he will appear. He's actually written what he's calling a Lenten devotional. It's called Reflections Through Romans. So he's taken the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul and then written a number of devotionals to walk people through the days of Lent. So that's available now. It just came out. Yeah. It's on is, Amazon. Is he giving you uh, any cut of the proceeds? No, this that? is just a free filial plug. Uh, <laughs> So, no, no cut that I'm aware of. Okay, but well, reflections should... through Romans, you can find it on Amazon. All right, dot com. And then, do you have anything else? Um... No, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> well, it felt relevant okay. to our conversation. Well, it was. Well, then, then I'm Sam. I'm Aaron, and I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. Mm-hmm.